Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellison with the Digital Education Podcast, and I'm here with my friend Dennis Eastman, who is the inspiration uh, behind this monthly series of stories of becoming more human. Dennis is a professor at Biola University. So, Dennis, welcome back. Great to be here. And then today we're having a conversation. So Dennis was our first conversation. Then last month, September, was Dan Daly, who's a special education teacher in um, Chicago. And then today we're with another friend of ours, friend of mine, really good friend of mine for many years now, Mike Chen. So Mike, um, this is just a conversation in a lot of ways about, you know, we oftentimes talk about in, in, in schools and in education, the impact that we're making on our students and on other people. And the inspiration for this was very much from Dennis was, you know what, who's having an impact on us and how have we changed because of um, interactions with our students and with, you know, the communities in which we serve. And so I'm going to just throw it over to you and let you just go from there. Great. Thank you. It's good to be here with you guys. Um, I, I, I like the way you kind of uh, flip the, the whole thing on its head and uh, thinking about our students impact us as educators um, because I think there's a lot of give and take and we ought to be uh, transforming and developing as human beings uh, mutually. I, I think the specifically specifically uh, the uh, one instance I can remember uh, is a few years back, uh, this is after I've been teaching in Boston and serve as a school leader for uh, one of the school leaders for, for many, many years. And I have always found myself as being a very uh, good teacher, uh, whether it be in, uh, in a physics lab or calculus class or leading the senior uh, thesis class um, and developing student leadership program. Um, and you know, and, and along with this, along to, uh, along the same line, I, um, you know, I was um, flattered, but kind of expected that I was ex uh, asked to be at a alumni reception, uh, uh, working, uh, be able to meet with all the alumni students who are coming back to visit the school. And I was one of the few teachers and school leaders to be invited to that reception because these alumni uh, students had requested. Uh, and I thought, yeah, great. You know, so I showed up and we're at this gathering, which is hanging out uh, and chit-chatting uh, over a drink or so. And I sat down next to a former student of mine. And I always just thought that we, I had a great rapport with this student. I knew that we had great relationships. And this student uh, is a very accomplished student. Uh, since I uh, have finished out his, uh, his uh, uh, college education at one of the major Ivy League schools and, uh, and is on his way to Germany uh, to study, uh, to pursue his PhD. So I sat down and I just expect that we're gonna have some fun conversation. And this student, this former student of mine, uh, very politely, very uh, uh, respectfully and say, well, Dr. Chen, um, I've been wanting to ask you this question for years. 
I said, whoa, four years. Okay, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And he said, Dr. Chen, when we were taking, when I was taking your calculus class, did you not like us? <laughs> I said, wait, what? And he said, well, it just seemed like you were angry at us all the time. We just couldn't live up to your, your expectation. And you were like upset with us. Like we we're trying our, our best. And I said, really? <laughs> was I really that bad? <laughs> you know? I thought I was a great, great calculus teacher. Um, and wow, that, that just really hit me like a ton of brick. And uh, and I I at that time you know uh, this part of me wanted to be defensive, want to say exactly what what are you talking about, and and wanted to find excuses, but part of me just stopped myself and said, well you know, I I gotta learn from this, and uh, so I said to the student, I said I'm I'm so sorry, um, you know I I think I was trying to push you guys, teach you guys on my terms. And I failed to recognize the impact on your well-being, uh, failed to recognize your reality. And, uh, you know, and I'm going to learn from this and I, I want you to forgive me and I'm gonna take this take this conversation, and I'm gonna come away from this conversation and learn to be a better teacher. And I think that was really a huge moment. Um, and I still use that example to share with my teachers uh, nowadays when I you know I'm leading a school, and I will continue to uh, encourage our teachers to recognize that hey you know um it's not just simply your best intention it's how you come across how you come across to your students and the attentiveness toward their um their understanding of the world their understanding of the relationships um and that you had to exemplify that you had to continue to learn not to necessarily avoid those contentious moments or moments where you may or may, may you may make mistakes but rather to continue to be humble and to learn from those mistakes to take feedback from your students to seek feedback from your students so you can be a better educator so that's that's uh, my little story <laughs> like that's a great story i love the uh, you, you had us going i knew there was a I knew there was a zinger coming and uh, <laughs> I sure appreciate that. Uh, you know, there you are taking the victory lap and somebody gives you the, the little trip there. Um, so my question for you is as you walked away from that thinking, okay, I've got, I've got some work to do. And I super appreciate that. You thought to yourself, I've got some work to do. And um, what have you done since I, you're you're an accomplished professional. I'm I'm just curious. What have you done since to help um, take the lesson that you learned from that encounter with that student and be intentional about creating relational moments with students? 
Yeah, um, several lessons that I learned from that. Um, I, I, I think number one, um, I, I think number one is that, um, let me gather my thought, because I, I actually have some ideas when, when you ask me. Um, it, 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 I think number one is the fact that um, we, as educators, we often want to do things to students. Um, and this is something that I think Eric and I often talk about, and he puts it very well. Uh, you know, instead of just doing things to students and for students, but rather do things with students. And I think in our most zealous time as an educator, um, and I want to do things for students. I want to do things to students because I want to push them. And I think I'm right, <laughs> but I failed to, to, I think uh, that I failed to recognize that learning and growing is very much also about empowering our students uh, to take ownership uh, in their own lear learning. And that ownership in that, in that learning is really much about creating that allyship, creating the connections to know that we are journeying together, um, you know, and, you know, that, yeah, maybe there are times when I would say something harsh, um, thinking that will motivate and I want to find every way to justify. And perhaps to some students that works. But for students that say, no, that doesn't work for me, then I better listen. Uh, I better listen intently to recognize their reality is different than mine. Um, and I, I think that uh, in many ways, um, since then, um, several things happen. Number one is I recognize that in a lot of my pursuit to be to be a, a person who uh, continue to grow as a professional, as a teacher, or as an educational innovator, um, I operate on a set of uh, principles I believe in. Uh, how I want to operate as as a teacher, certain pedagogical, uh, you know, philosoph philosophical approach. But then I realize uh, that if I don't uh, interrogate how, how I do education, I begin to veer away from those principles. So for example, even before that story, that incident, I have for years uh, preached about the idea of empowering our students, you know, and and Eric knows my work uh, when I was in Boston. And I preach that idea all the time. I want to empower our students. I want students to take ownership. I want students to become leaders. And I, I open up opportunities for them. But then I realize if I don't self, you know, examine uh, deeply, then there is a, a lack of coherence in those in, in those situations, such as what happened in 
my calculus class. <laughs> Wait a minute. You know, I do preach about empowering our students, and I believe that I'm such a person, but then in practice, it didn't come across that way. Um, you know, because there's a lack of coherence. And I think, I think sometimes uh, we, as educators, we like to think that we know stuff. I mean, that's one of the strengths of being teachers is, you know, we are a little bit full of ourselves. Uh, but but that's also our challenge. Um, I mean, the positive, you know, it's the two sides of the same coin. On one side, it's a project, projecting confidence and that being an expert. But on the other side, that just, you know, that that becomes our blind spot. And so I, I think I'm becoming more intentional to examine uh, my own uh, practice as an educator. Number two is this incredible um, appreciation now that I have about the fact that there's a differentiated realities uh, that what I think is happening may not be what another person is experiencing. Uh, and as an educator, I feel like I need to, um, like I can't just insist on the students to be, <laughs> to be learning on my terms. Uh, it's give and take, it's partnership. And their reality of how they engage in, in, in embodying knowledge, embodying uh, ideas or in, in a very different way than, than I do. Um, and I need to recognize that. So, so Mike, there's, I mean, and every time I talk with you, there's depth, right? There's so many different directions that we can go in, you know, in these places. And one of the things that you said was, as educators, we're pretty full of ourselves, right? And, <laughs> and you know me well enough to know that that's overly true. Um, but then it just gets <laughs> amplified. It gets amplified when you become a school leader. So yeah. how does a story like that you know, in some of those reminders, you know, in some of the things that you learned as an educator is you're looking to empower students that now when you move into school leadership, where we even become like the weight on our shoulders, the responsibilities, but then also a little bit of the power, the prestige, whatever it might come, we, we even become more full of ourselves. Like, yeah. how, how does this, you know, what are the reminders that tether you to, you know, to those great lessons that you learned. And even a lot of times, like yeah. pour some of these lessons and pour yourself into your teachers who sometimes, right, are even way more difficult to deal with. And we know this because I was one of those teachers, right? More difficult <laughs> to deal with than even students are, right? So like pull at some of those threads for us a little bit. Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Uh, one thing that I have said to myself um, in school leadership is that, um, number one, uh, I do not want to seek, intentionally seek the limelight. Uh, what that means is, what that translates is, is that I believe that I may not become a superstar leader. I may not to become that individuals that people look up to. Uh, I don't need to uh, take, take hold of the burden 
hold, you know, carry the burden of being the best example. Uh, but rather, uh, I need to be a servant. I need to be a servant to our our teachers so that they collectively can become a team, a superstar team. Not superstar teachers, but a superstar team. Meaning that, uh, and I, this is something I talk to our, our teachers all the time. I'm not looking for superstar teachers. I just need all of you guys to really rise about the vocation, to meet the challenges together, uh, because there's a power of many. Um, and and I would, you know, I would do that, you know, and 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 I'll the, whatever the example that I lead, I will lead the example by sharing mistakes that I made, the lessons I learned, just like this. I, I intentionally try not to talk about my accomplish, my, you know, you know, as much uh, relative to uh, mistakes that I made uh, and the lessons that I learned. I think, I think the without looking at deficiencies in ourselves, then we can never make room for growth. Uh, so that's something that I intentionally do, even in the context of leadership. Um, you know, you, again, you, it's journeying together. I mean, if I were to paint a picture, like I, one time I did a, did an exercise with our teachers and I say, you know, what, if, if I ask you to draw something to symbolize leadership and symbolize the work that we do, what would you draw? You know, people draw different things. And of course I draw mine and my, the way I draw it is I draw a, um, you know, a, a, a group of, Canadian geese flying through the sky. Um, it's network, it's together, it's directional. Uh, not a single one that's a superstar leader of the uh, <laughs> of these geese uh, trying to fly through the air and migrate, uh, but rather they do it together, you know, and they are adaptable and flexible and they learn from they learn from each other and do things together. Mike, uh, a quick follow up on that. I, I sure appreciate. I like the the picture idea is very cool. Um, what do you do with the the faculty to promote um, something of an open door policy if they have they have uh, thoughts, they have ideas about leadership because they're experiencing the classroom every day in a way that you now aren't. And it's so interesting and so easy to become separated from that which we used to do every single day because our perspective has changed, right? Now you have to be concerned for the whole, not just your little fiefdom of five calculus classes. Now it's five, you know, now it's, oh my, I have to worry about everybody and everything. So I'm just curious, um, what are you trying to do to, or what do you do to help um, voices of your faculty be heard with you as a leader to, and, and so doing create an open door? Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, for the past three years, um, I leverage, um, you know, one of our good friends, John John Ecker, to uh, work with our 
uh, faculty leaders, uh, teacher, teaching leaders, and they get to meet with him once a month and, and basically be assured of the fact that whatever the feedback that they, they you know, have about school or even my leadership, they can like basically have a venting session <laughs> with, with John. And obviously John can, uh, Professor Ecker can, can, you know, really kind of work with them and help them uh, recognize opportunities, recognize area to grow, recognize way to, to you know, uh, to engage me in different ways. And of course, he will also just without uh, uh, letting the, you know, uh, you know, without breaking confidentiality, be able to give me a aggregated feedback. Um, and I think, I think, you know, it takes a, it took a while for teachers to get used to that and trust that system. But I think uh, when we finish out the three year uh, terms of that, that particular practice, uh, I, I think, uh, we have built a, a teaching culture that is really uh, very much collegial. Um, I have an open, open door policy where my door is my office door is always always open. I talk about please come in, please come in and talk to me. And many teachers uh, to take uh, would take me up on it. Uh, I also go and seek them out. I seek them out to. Uh, uh, just be able to connect with them and 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 seek out feedback. Uh, I'll give you one example. Uh, one teacher who is, uh, I mean, just a very uh, sharp teacher, classroom teacher, uh, but really is used to working uh, alone. And uh, you know, and and I have been trying to reach out to this teacher, and then and I seen. Uh, changes and and growth and and the other day I, I uh, overheard that this teacher likes sourdough bread so I went home and I baked a sourdough a loaf of sourdough bread and and brought it to this teacher and then and I I could just tell that this teacher was I mean she was incredibly uh, surprised that I would take notice of that and. Uh, and then, and so that was a very positive interaction. Uh, and then I had seen uh, changes where this person who never really wanted to approach administration per se uh, would come to my classroom and give me feedback. And then I would say, let me help with this. Let me help with that. Uh, so those are kind of things that, you know, we're trying to figure out how to build a collective culture. Um, I think along the same way, it's the same um principle uh that i illustrated with the earlier example uh, i'm doing it with teachers too is uh, i would be uh quick or at least i think <laughs> and maybe, too, maybe people will tell me otherwise but at least i know in my head i try to be consistent with the way we i work with teachers is to be quick to learn from them to be quick to acknowledge my mistakes to be quick to uh, apologize, um, you know, and I think the again going back to this idea that we all have that elements of being full of ourselves. Uh, I am full of myself, right? At, at times, and when I'm not careful, and I want always wanted to, you know, make a case for why I'm right, <laughs> but but. Uh, uh, 
I, I, I think it's a daily reminder of always to say, hey, you know, I need to, I need to not take myself too seriously. Uh, one, one of the practical things that I begin to ask myself every single day now is when, is when I'm driving into work, you know, um, every day, um, do, do I have a joy uh, in my heart uh, as I approach the school? Do I get excited? Do I, do I find myself, well, I'm going to have a lot of fun uh, at school uh, today? And I can genuinely say that, you know, good uh, upward of 90 plus percent of my time here at my school, uh, every day I come to my school, I'm excited. I am I'm just full of joy. I, I know that we're going to have a lot of fun. And I think I think in many ways uh, that kind of gets translating into our school culture. I, I, can, I feel like our school culture is such that there is that lightheartedness uh, in our school. Uh, amongst our student bodies, and it, it's becoming more so with our teachers, faculty culture as well. Uh, and uh, it's just how do we not take ourselves too seriously? Learning how to be, <laughs> you know, it's, it's fun. It's fun to learn. And why can't we, you know, exemplify that, you know? And a lot of schools I have been to in the past just feel very oppressive, right? Because in the name of achievement, we become so oppressive. Um, let's not go there. So, and, and Mike, that's an incredible way, you know, to start and to finish, right? You know, that you start with the anecdote of that story with that student, you know, that graduate who says, "Why did you dislike us so much? Why were you so unhappy with us?" As they were highly successful, and you got yep. them to places where you know, like people didn't believe they could get to, let alone whether they believe they could get to it. And you know, so it's that interesting place of saying, "Hey, you know, where am I at now?" Where it was, you know, achievement-based, focus, success, getting them there, and then you know, now that conversation of like, "Okay, what's the joy in my heart for the fun of the work that we get to do together?" Um, it's a really interesting kind of way that you've, you've put that together. And Dennis, if you don't know about Mike, he cooks, he, he bakes sourdough bread. He's a home, <laughs> he, he brews his own beer. So he's a home brewer. Like he's built a cross country course on his campus. He's learning to surf. He's kayaking all those things. So Mike, as we close out, as we close out, close us out with a positive word. Like what's something that when you come into school right now, that's giving you great joy. Give us that last little bit of like, this is what's given me great joy as I look at it. And it's, that's, and it doesn't have to be at school. Like what's something that you're excited about to learn, to grow, to develop, to just have fun with? I mean, every day I come in, the great joy is being able to come to a place and knowing that our students truly love this place. Like, and our teachers love this place too. It is, is, they don't want to leave, you know, we have a community center open up for our students and, you know, I could, you know, it's so hard to get them out of here <laughs> when the school is over. Uh, they just want to be here. And I, I think, uh, you know, some, sometime during, during the, the, the period of last three years, at some point we hit that point where all of a sudden we realized, wow, students, don't, they don't want to leave this place. They, they love hanging out here. Uh, because somehow there, there's a culture here that they feel like they belong. Uh, how do I build a community that everyone feels belong? 
And belonging is not about just being welcoming, because welcoming doesn't doesn't make make somebody feel like they are part of the 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 the, the member you know membership so to speak. But rather, like how can how can I get everybody together to build this place together? And this this is also the idea that how can I not take myself too seriously? Because a lot of times leaders want to dictate the terms and they want to build something that's it's in their own head. And I had to constantly negotiate with that and say, well, how can I let go and recognize the beauty? Uh, the beauty of the fact that I'm not that important. <laughs> I'm not that significant. Um, but then yet, uh, when we have a community uh, doing this together, uh, something beautiful can happen. Uh, and that just brings me great joy. I mean, every day, I, the more I realize how unimportant I am, the more I can appreciate uh, what's in front of me. So, Love it, man. Mike. Thank really you good. so much. Thanks. Dennis, <laughs> love seeing you, buddy. Love being with you. Thank you so much. Well, thank, thank you so much.